0: Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. But Matt and I go back just a long time. He was youth pastor of Faith Fellowship of San Leandro. I was youth pastor of Modesto. And so we've literally known each other forever. And so I love him, his wife, his beautiful kids. You have unbelievable pastors. And I just want to start off, if you wouldn't mind, I was here at 6.30 this morning and I was praying over the building and I was praying over where you're sitting. I literally worked my way all over here and I'm not saying that to be spiritual. I'm just letting you know I was here, okay? And I want you to know I take this serious and I felt like the spirit of God began to move and he began to speak to me prophetically. Now listen, I would like to deposit to you a prophetic word, which is a proclamation of what God is going to do, right? But it's up to you as the believer to judge this prophetic word and it is either going to be prophetic or it's going to be pathetic, okay? One or the other. But I need you to judge that. And, and, and most preachers won't come up here and tell you to judge the words. But I'm telling you, judge these words. And when I was praying over this place, I, I, I realized that we're living in a time and we're living in a generation and a society where we crave the organic. We crave the organic, but we feed our superficial We're craving the organic, but we're feeding our superficial. We're living in a a spirit of comparison to other people's highlight reels on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat. But we're craving the organic, you know, grass-fed beef and uncaged chicken eggs and all this stuff, right? We're craving the organic. Kale is at an all-time high on sales. Yeah, you're right. I don't eat any. You got that right. Whoever thought that, you're 100% right. Kale is what my food eats, okay? But, but we're craving organic, we're craving organic, but we're feeding superficial. I am proclaiming to you today that instead of craving the organic and feeding the superficial, we need to seek the supernatural. I'm telling you, if anything is going to change the church, it's the supernatural power of God. I would like to deposit that to you, that you have pastors who seek the supernatural who want to see blind eyes open, who want to see deaf ears unplugged, who want to see lame walk, but most importantly, they want to see dead come to life. Amen? So I just believe that we need to we need to go after that, and I believe that your pastors, I believe that your pastors walk the walk. I believe that they talk the talk and walk the walk, and it concerns me because we got a generation of preachers out there that are smooth in their communication, they're hip in their style, but they lack the power and presence of God in their life. That's why churches get, are full of people who walk in one way and walk out the same way they walked in. There's no anointing, but your pastors are anointed. People are changing. People are growing. This church is growing. That's the sign of the Spirit of God hovering in a place and, and performing a transformation in people's lives. Amen? And I just believe that God's going to expedite that. He's going to multiply that. It's going to be absolutely amazing. I think it's only fitting if we pray for Pastor Matt and Jackie and the family, amen. While they're away right now, can we pray for them? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray this trip is refreshing. I pray that they fellowshiped good this morning. They ate spiritually. I pray they ate physically. I pray you gave them a rest after a long Easter weekend. Lord, I speak a grace and a life over them. I speak health to their family, to their babies, and I just thank you. There's, There's a restoration of the soul happening. We lift them up and we bless them. In Jesus' name, and if you agree with that, can you say amen and give the Lord a hand? Amen. Thank you, Elvis. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. This guy plays so well. I mean, he, he's going he's to make me think I can sing, you know what I mean? It's like, bro, I'm ready. If you, I mean, man, thank you. Okay. Y'all don't want me to sing. Trust me. This is bad. This is real bad if I started singing. I mean, it's only good in the shower. Come on, somebody. Right? But in the shower, I'm ready for American Idol, I ain't kidding, I mean, I'm whatever, you can put me on the star, American Idol, the voice, put me on anything you want, I'm ready. Then I get to church, and I'm like, I sing horrible. (laughs) You ever videotape a service, and you hear your own voice, like, ooh, was it that bad? (laughs) I'm just playing with you. So, it's so good to be here, it is is amazing. Uh, We just come off that Easter weekend, and we saw so many people, I know at our church, but also your church, give their hearts, in the lives to Jesus Christ, amen. And you know, salvation, salvation is instantaneous. It's a one and done. You, you accept Christ. Heaven becomes your destination, praise God. And, and that means a lot to us who live in Fresno. Uh, we almost hit 100 degrees last week. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, tell him, tell him, tell him. And uh, it did. It got real hot. And we all came into church just going, it's, we're not ready for it yet. Come on, somebody, we're not ready. But let me tell you something. We in Fresno are grateful we're not going to hell. Yeah, because we know what hell is. It's July. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's, 30, it's 32 days of 101 degree heat. Okay, we don't get no breeze. The only breeze you get if your neighbor blow on you. That's the only breeze you get. <laughs> Some of you are like, is he for real? I'm dead, I'm dead serious, okay? Dead serious. And so I, I kind of picture heaven like a Hawaii, right? Come on. A San Diego, come on, right? You know, 84 in the day, 72 at night. Light jacket if you need one. You know what I mean? And then there's Fresno. Mm. Mm. I I ask anybody, you want to go to hell? Oh, no, no, I don't, man. (laughs) Then accept Jesus, right? And so that's an easy thing. That's a one and done. But our transformation is a process. Our sanctification is a process. How many of you know you got some habits you're still trying to get rid of, right? It's like, man, it's like I just lost my cool the other day. Where did that come from? From within. Hello, it's still there and it was waiting for the right time to fester and to come out. Now watch this. Let me give you a visual. How many of you are visual learners, right? So check this out. Now spiritually, I look like this in the spirit. Check this out. Spiritually, I look like that. Come on. Woo! Woo! Look at the muscles on his ears, yo. Come on. Look at that. That's what I look like spiritually. Come on. Ugh. And then I look like this physically. Boo! Right? Right? So not fair. But this is your spiritual life right here. This is it. And and what I realize is in order to look like this physically, I can't have uphill goals and downhill habits. I can't do that, right? I know things got to change if I'm going to look like that. I'm going to have to say yes to kale and broccoli and no to Krispy Kremes and Cold Stone. Come on, somebody. I realize that that's only going to come from me saying yes, right, and, and, and saying no to other things. And I realized that, that in order for me to grow spiritually, I'm going to have to say no to some things and yes to others. And what I thought was cool, what I thought was really cool, is I just recently heard Pastor Craig Rochelle, and he was talking about, people ask him all the time, how did you become so disciplined? Very, very good question. Now watch this. I'm telling you this will change your life. When you think about New Year's, Everybody always talks about a New Year's resolution, right? And in that resolution, they talk about taking away something. Pastor Craig said, what if we flip it? Instead of taking away something, what if we added? Now, what's crazy, and my wife will attest to this, about three years ago, I preached, not this message, but a message very similar, about adding to our New Year's resolution and not taking away. So this is what he said he did. He said he started out by, it's in here, I know it's in here, flossing. He said, he said, I think it was 20 years ago, he said the first thing I added was, I said this new year I'm just going to floss every night before I go to bed. How many of you have ever made that commitment before you, you, you went to the dentist He said you need to add more flossing? Has anybody ever heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard that from your dentist. Okay, how many of you followed through with that though? Okay, you are the holy people in the building right here. How many, of you, how many of you said, this is what I should add, but I haven't? How many? Who, who said that before? Okay, okay. So who said that? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Just keep your, Okay, right there in the plaid shirt. Okay, this is for you. There you go. That's your add one for today. There you go. Uh, that, that looked like a 49er throw. My bad. Okay. Y'all didn't know I was a Raider fan? Did I, did I fail to mention that? Woo! That looked like a Garoppolo throw right there. Come on. Oh, that's right, he's hurt, my bad. Okay, so anyway, so the, I'm kidding. Okay, are we, are we friends? Okay, add one here, remember, add one here, okay. Okay, and then he said, what I needed to do the next year is I just added brushing my teeth at night. Uh, brushing my teeth at night. Who here would agree that that's a good thing, brushing your teeth at night, right? So who here knows that they need to add this, right? Who, who would say, I need to add that? Who would add that? Okay, come on. Just because you helped lead worship. Come on, Joe, there you go. Bam, there you go. Okay, then he added one more, and he said, you know what? Now that I got all that going, I'm going to do mouthwash. Come on, somebody. Fight gingivitis right here. All the way in the back. Here you go. I'm not going to throw <laughs> Hand it to him in the back. There you go. There you go. Okay. And now watch this. Now watch this. Watch this, because this completes my bag. Okay, real quick, something about me. Real quick, okay? Besides me just being loud, There's real quick. I don't eat after nobody. I don't drink after nobody. And I'm not going to lie to you. If I shake your hand... I'm probably going to go to my car, and I'm probably going to use some hand sanitizer. Come on. (laughs) Who out there is a germaphobe with me? Just go ahead. Thank you. Okay, right here, bro. This is for you. Add that to your life right there. Okay, good. So important. Now, now, now my wife, she, thank you, babe. Good catch. It's a Raider catch right there. Sign you up. Sign you up. God knows we dropped a lot of balls this year as Raider fans, right? Okay. My point is this. Instead of looking to, to subtract something, the title of today is Anne one and one you need to add one right so check this out we're going to go to second peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 9 so it's our base scripture check this out for this very reason make every effort to what add add now see we all like the word add except if it's on the scale okay that's the only time we don't like the word add people shaking their heads Mm-mm. no add but look at look at he said add to your faith goodness And to your goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. Do you see this getting progressively harder? Does anybody notice this? Right? And to self-control, perseverance. Nobody's ever wanted a prophetic word about perseverance. You are going to go through three years of hell. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And then he goes from perseverance on to godliness. Godliness, mutual affection, mutual affection, love. What's he saying? Each one of these is building on the next building on the next. If you want to grow spiritually, you got to build on the next. You can't stay where you're at. You got to build on to the next, okay? And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about your godly habits. Godly habits, right? very first place, we all need a foundational uh, spot to land on or to launch from, and here it is. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. I I, I, I love what Pastor Craig said. He said, God did not come to, 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 to make broken people, excuse me, God did not come to fix broken people or to, or to radically, uh, uh, you know, uh, create a, a, a personal growth. What he come to do was change dead people to alive. And a lot of times we always focus in on the sin. We focus in on the sins of people. Now listen, if you wanna change the fruit, you gotta help the root, you see? And so watch this. I'm gonna show you in the verse right here. Where we gotta start with your heart. We gotta start with your heart, right? Look at in Psalms 34, this is, excuse me, Psalms 24. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a what? Pure heart. Basically, what David is saying, and this is the Anthony International version right here, who wants to hang out with God? Who wants to come hang out with God? The only person who's gonna be able to hang out with God is he who has clean hands and a pure heart and who does not give himself to an idol does not give himself to an idol. And a lot of times we focus in on the things that we're doing, not the person who we're becoming. And, and so we've got, to, we've got to go to the root of this situation. And if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this, then it starts with our heart starts right here and it starts our godly habits. So I've got about eight or nine things on my paper. I'm not gonna go through them all. I've just been praying about what is the Lord, what, what does the Lord want me to go through with you? And I feel like this first one we're gonna start off with is you gotta have a time for worship. You gotta have a time for worship. The most worship that people do during the week is right here on a Sunday service. And to be honest with you, sometimes we're just running late and we miss half of worship, right? Don't raise your hand or point out your neighbor who made you late. Leave him alone today, okay? But you know what I'm talking about. We come late and we miss half the worship experience. Now, I know you worship in your car, right? So everybody can see you. Hey, right? But the truth is we just get busy and we don't have our time for our worship. We don't have time for us to come corporately and sing together. And if we do come into worship, sometimes we have a bad heart. I'll prove it to you. We start to say stuff like, well, that didn't sound good today. But yet the Bible says something completely opposite. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Get some pots and pans and just start going for it. Make up your own. But you know how many times I come in here and I'm singing the wrong song? Don't act like you don't make up no lyrics. You got your eyes closed and you thought it totally said something else. Like, oh, that ain't even the words. But it's okay. Look at your neighbor and say, busted, okay. But look at this verse. I want to show you this verse. Can we get to the verse? It says, I waited and waited and waited for God. At last he looked, and this is in the message translation. Finally he listened. He lifted me out of the ditch and he pulled me up from the deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. Do you have a latest God song in your life? Do you have a latest God song that's on repeat in your car? Hillsong United has dropped a new album, Another in the Fire is my Jeep. Shoot, and I messed that song up so much, it's ridiculous. When it first came out, I was, I was putting lyrics that don't even exist in there. But it was my jam. And I loved the lyrics. He said, there's another in the fire. And he's waiting here for me. There's an anchor holding inside the sea. It's a beautiful song. That he says, in, in the meantime, while things are being reckoning, that God is just there with us. And he's for us. And he's not against us. And there's another person holding back this sea, so I don't get overwhelmed. This is my song. And it's in this song that I realize that God is doing something. Do you have a favorite God jam right now? Or have you left all your worship for just this building in this place? Or do you put it on in your car? Do you put it on when you're, when, when you're wrestling with your kids and you're arguing? Do you put it on when you're arguing with your spouse? Do you put it on when you get a bad report from the doctor? Do you put it on when you get a bad report from your boss? Do you put it on when you're feeling frustrated and you have anxiety and you're feeling worried? Do you have a God jam? So we got to have this. This worship is who we are. Now listen, I love music kind of an old school person when it comes to music. You know, I like my jams. I like cruising with my babe on a Sunday, we put on some oldies, but you will always find me when the heat gets turned up. When the pressures of life are overwhelming me, when I feel like I'm slipping, you will always find me go back to my roots, go back to my worship song, go back to where I know God is. Go back to where the song is edifying and, and building me up because music Will move you. Music will move you. It'll absolutely stir your soul. But what type of music are you feeding yourself with? Remember, God is trying to bring dead people to life. He's trying to to bring you back to life and He's going to use music. Do you have a time for your worship? Do you have a set time? Do you have a a place in your house? You know, Jesus said you go into your closet. Do you have a closet? Do you have a Do you have just a, a a place to pray? How about this? How about for you? It's a time to read. Do you have a set hour in which you read? My wife and I we've been married 23 years. I know what you're thinking. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 23 years. Yeah, hand claps to her. I I, I told her, no joke. I told her told her two things when we when we got married. I said, number one, baby, I'm like a fine wine. The longer you with me, the better I'm gonna get. I said, right now, you got a cheap bag of wine right now, box wine, but it's okay. It's okay, baby. I'm going to get better. Don't worry about it. That's what I told her. It would be like a fine bottle, you know what I mean? <laughs> you just got to stay with me. Okay. So good times and bad times, right? And the second thing I told her is if, is if you say yes to me, I'll work hard every day proving that was the best decision of your life. And that's what I've done right there. Yeah, 23 years. Check this out. We got three kids. Praise the Lord. 18, 16, and 14, look at your neighbor and say, he's broke. Go ahead and tell him. Yep. Sure am. And, and, and check this out. I realized two things. The moment my kids get up, my life is over. Hello? I no longer live for me because one of them can't ever find no clothes, even though it's their clothes. Come on. Come on. Hello? And number two, one is always hungry and swear there's no food in the house. Come on. I'm like, child, please, I done went grocery shopping yesterday, okay, you're too lazy to make something, all right? I mean, I grew up in a household, and my parents are like, you want to eat, you better cook yourself, right? But there ain't nothing, you can eat some air cakes. <laughs> Tastes great, less filling. All right, here's the deal. So, so I realized that if I don't have a, a, a place and a time for this, it won't happen. Right, So you got to have a place for this, a time to read. Check this out, I love this. It says this, when he went up to Nazareth, where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, he stood up to what? Read. If Jesus needs to read, if Jesus is there to study, then watch this, you need to do it as well. The Holy Spirit cannot recall what you have not read. Well, I don't know what to do in this situation. Well, what does the Bible say? I don't know. Because you don't read, right? You can only recall what's been read. How about this one? Do you have a time for church? Do you have a time for church? We have a saying, if it won't keep you from your job on Monday, or if it won't keep you from your workout, then it should not keep you from church. Church has got to be a priority. This is Jesus at the age of 12. This is the story in Luke that they write about him. Can we go ahead and bring that up? Yeah. It says, why were you searching for me, Jesus asked his parents after they lost him for three days. How do you explain to God you lost his son for three days? What type of whooping do you get for losing his kid? I'm just asking. I know my mama would beat me, okay? <laughs> so this is Jesus' answer. Did you not know I'd be in my what? Father's house. I meet parents all the time. They want me to rescue their kids. And I just simply tell them I was trying to reach them, but you wouldn't bring them. Listen, more is caught than taught. You want your kids to be generous, you got to be generous. You want your kids to be patient, you got to be patient. Watch this. You know how people learn best? Proximity. 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 Everybody wants to capture the moment. Why don't you just live in it? Why don't you just live in this moment? We Now listen, please hear my heart. I'm not here to throw shade on you, make you feel bad. Can, you, can I be real with you? Can, I just, can you just hear my heart? I love sports. Oh, my gosh. I love sports. I can't begin to tell you. Like, like, I volunteered myself to be the Raider Chaplain. I mean, that's how much I love sports. They didn't accept the offer, but I volunteered myself. Some of you will get that later, okay? But check this out. Like, I, I love sports, but it's not my God, and it doesn't take the place of it. And when our kids were involved in sports, we told their coaches we're committed to the church. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. I don't want to be. I don't want to be ten years down the road, and my kids are, you know, whatever, twenty six and twenty four and twenty two, and, and I got my face buried in the pew, praying that God would bring them back into the house. And then they hear the voice of my father saying, they should have never left the house. Does this make sense? And here's the deal. They can only catch what they're around. You got to bring them around. You got to bring them around. And so we see Jesus at the age of 12. Where else would you find me? You're going to find me right here. It's got to be a priority. Now, I can't make that for you. But you can make it for yourself. How about this one? Do you have a time to serve? you have a time to serve? Well, what, what, what do you mean? Yeah, you got to make a time to serve. This is Jesus' own words right here. He said, whoever wants to be great must become a what? A servant. Do you know how you get joy in your life? It's Jesus, others, than you. See that? Joy, Jesus, others, than you. Joy, Jesus, others, than you. He said, if you want to do something, you, you, you got to serve. I mean, I'm God, and I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So maybe you've been kicking the tires, uh, you know, at at this church thinking, is this church for me? Well, until you serve, you'll never know. You know, we have a saying back home that says, we don't use you to get the job done. We use the job to get you done. You want to grow spiritually? Well, come serve. People, People will work the hell out of you. Trust me. Think about that statement. Do you get hangry? We're going to find out as you serve. It's <laughs> is why I tell people all the time, you really want to see if you love people, go work at Walmart during Christmas. We're going to find out if you love people real quick. We're going to see how much you love God and how much you love people real quick. Why? Because they don't do that to you. How many, how many work retail know what I'm talking about? Come on. Woo! You know what I'm talking about, my retail people. What's my point? When you serve you realize there's something greater than you, a cause bigger than you. And it's what gives you a purpose. It's what give, gets you up in the morning, right? So you got to understand that we are called to do this. So I invite you, we run the same thing at our church. I invite you to come to Growth Track. I invite you to be involved. I invite you to at least say, hey, I'm going to give this an opportunity and a shot. I'm going to join the dream team and make a difference. Because that's what it's all about. And I was thinking about this. So we, we, we have all these things that we've been talking about. I want to ask you, do you have, do you have a time for freedom, time for freedom. Now, I want to show you a, um, I want to show you a verse. Okay, I want to show you a verse in the Message translation. Okay, now if you if you don't have a Bible, you can pull. You can download the Bible app. Okay, put out by Life Church. You can download the Bible, and they will have the Message translation. But I just want to walk you through this because this is uh, Eugene Peterson uses some common language. But watch this. This is Romans seven. It's very it's very well done. It's very precisely put here. He said, I can't anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. How many times have you set out to do the right thing, only managed to do the wrong thing? Huh? And we say, but my intentions were right. Whoa, hell is paved on the way with good intentions. You know, and then people say, but my heart was right, but your actions were all wrong. Hello? See how that doesn't, see, this, this is what Paul is saying, by the way. He said, yes, I am full of myself after all. How many of you know the biggest God you will ever have in your life, the largest idol you ever have in your life is yourself? At the base of who I am, I am a completely selfish person. Did you hear that? And I'm fully aware of that. I have to fight to be generous. I have to fight to deny myself. This flesh is strong and wants to have its own way. Paul says, I'm full of myself and I get it. Watch this. He goes, After all, I've spent a long time, look at that, in sin's prison. See, listen, some of us want God to fix us in 15 minutes when you've been doing that same thing for 15 years. Right? God fixed me. He goes, Oh, you've had a long time to perfect it. We're going to have to work through it. Right. Look at, look, look, watch, watch. I'll prove it to you. The power of sin is broken, the penalty of sin is paid for, but the pattern of sin is what you got to work out. Do you see this? And so he's saying, listen, what I don't understand about myself is I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things that I absolutely despise. You know what will work this out in your life? A marriage will work this out in your life. You never knew you could get so angry until you got married. Woo, wee. How many times you went in there to resolve the argument? Like, I'm going to resolve this argument, I'm not going to lose my temper. I understand how this is supposed to play out. And 15 minutes later, it's like, somebody better walk away. Somebody better walk away. We got to go. I'm about to fight in public. I'm not trying to act a fool. Come on. He says, (laughs) I'm going to go. Okay. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously what? He says, I need help. I I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. Freedom is not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. It's the presence. So you don't need to get rid of it. You need to get Jesus in it. You need to get Jesus in it. You know what's the problem with Freedom Ministries? Is we don't get overnight results. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I've struggled with my weight probably since birth. I'm not sure. I'd have to ask my mom. (laughs) You know it's bad when he was a fat baby. <laughs> Had, like, one skinny stage in my life, and it was like, my mom was like, well, we were broke then. <laughs> that made sense. <laughs> Past that, I've always been kind of big. Um, you know, it's crazy because you set out, you know, you set out to, like, lose weight. You know, some people are still laughing at that. I don't know why you're laughing at my pain, but okay. We set out to lose weight, and the person who's losing the weight and the people closest don't notice, like, the first 10 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't really notice the first 10 pounds. And, and even you, you start to doubt yourself. You're like, dude, I'm making all these transitions. Like, I'm actually eating fruits and vegetables. <laughs> you know, like, that's a real thing. And, you know, I'm actually going to the gym and, and really pressing on and pushing through, right? But then you'll see people who haven't seen you in a while. They're like, dude, it looks like you lost a few pounds. Like, yes, that's so cool. That's so cool. Thank you. And you don't really notice the drastic difference till you hit about the 20-pound mark. That's Freedom Ministries. There are all these little minor adjustments God's doing in your life. And those people close to you don't really recognize it yet. You don't even really recognize it yet. But then you go see somebody who you haven't seen in a while and they go, dude, something's different about you. What's really going on in your heart and in your life? You're not the same person I remember. Like something's changing. That's freedom. You got to keep taking one step, the next step. Today, the best day. You got to keep going forward. Because some of you are quitting right before the best results going to happen. And so I really want to encourage you, this is what you are to do. And so Paul is saying, I realize I need freedom. I got issues. I got things that I'm not even proud about. It's like I bet you within the last 90 days, somebody in here, you lied. And you don't want to lie. But you knew you couldn't tell them the whole truth, so you only gave them 90% of the truth, which is 10% of a lie, which is a whole lie. You know how I explained lying to my kids one time? Because my kids were having a hard time delineating the difference, right? They're like, Dad, but it was only a little lie. Honest to God, my wife would tell you. Now, you might get disgusted at this, but you'll never forget it, I promise you. I went and I mixed up a batch, a batch of cookie dough. And I said, come here, guys. What well, they didn't know it. in a brown paper sack, I put some dock poop in it. I'm not kidding. And I said, listen, this is a whole batch called the truth of cookie dough. It's good. Eat it right off the thing. But I said, you told me you told just 10% of a lie. So I just took out a little piece of poo, and I put it in the cookie dough, and I mixed it up, and I said, why don't you eat it? Well, Dad, there's poop in it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. funny thing is, I couldn't even pay him to eat it, and I have no idea why. I tried to convince him that it would cook out during when it's in the oven. You're like, his parenting is weird. Absolutely. I don't know what I'm doing. I am making it up as I go along, okay? (laughs) If it works, I give glory to God, and if it doesn't, I blame my parents, okay? (laughs) You like that one, huh? It's like, blame my mother. This is good. I love church today. (laughs) <laughs> what's my point? You got to understand, that's why I have Freedom Ministries. Because I realize myself too, it's like, I just did this in the past 90 days. I thought I was over this. But it's funny because when the heat turns up, we see what's still in there. See, so many <laughs> preachers are getting exposed under the bright lights and the mics. Why? With Stuff that was already there that they refused to deal with. Can, can, can I just show you something? Can I, can I just show you something? I didn't do this last service, but I feel... I feel like really nudged to do this, okay? If you just go back and you study the life of David, I did a sermon called Dealing With Your Demons. If you study the life of David, David's biggest battle that day was not the 10-foot big ugly giant. David's biggest battle that day was the lust that was brewing in his heart, his sexual perversion, his sexual lust. If you go back and read the story of David and Goliath, he asked three times, what does he get for killing Goliath? He didn't ask three times if he could give glory to God. He said three times, what do I get? And the number one thing he wanted to hear was he gets to date the the king's daughter. He gets to marry Michael. And that's why he couldn't satisfy that lust, and That's why he stole Uriah's wife and had him killed. He was burning with envy and lust. See, the enemy tricks us and makes you think the biggest battle is the big ugly. The biggest battle is deep within the crevices and in the depths and the recesses of your own heart. You need freedom. Now watch this. I'm going to give you an illustration. If you want healthy spirituality, healthy spirituality, you got to have good psychology and good theology. That's why you could be in the church for 20 years and yet you still gossip like you're 13 and in junior high. Because you don't have good psychology. You don't have a good, you don't have a good image of yourself. 45 years old, still dealing with dad wounds. you got to deal with your stuff. You got to deal with your demons and then on the other end on the other end you could have very poor theology because you don't read the word of God for yourself right you've been in church 20 years now listen I'm talking to you believers believers right here eyeball to eyeball believers you've been raised in church you've been in the church 20 years and you still don't know that giving is a principle not optional principle and you're still struggling with tithing how is that possible? Genesis to Revelation, you're to be called a giver. And if you're, if you're a believer studying your word, 10% was never a landing zone. It was a launching pad. The average Jew gave 28% of stuff away. Okay, now if, now, now if you're new to church, check back in, okay? That was just for people who have been raised in church, born in church. They know what's going on. The rest of you, check back in. I'm going to be nicer to you right now, okay? We got to understand that this is what God has called us. We need, we need freedom. In our lives, this freedom—do you have a time for it? So you've been kicking the tires, wondering, wondering if this church can help you go from bad to good. That's not what we're called to do. We're help you. To, we're to help you to go from bound to free. That's the quote I messed up earlier. God did not call bad people to be good. He called dead people to come alive. Finally, I fixed that. Been bothering me this whole time for the last twenty-five minutes. I hate quoting stuff wrong, but God is calling you to go from bound to free. Can okay, I watch this? I'm going to close with this, okay? I was in Alabama. I was in Alabama about two weeks ago. Um, and, and, and I heard a preacher in a breakout class because I got to feed myself. I got to go to my own classes, right? heard I uh, heard a breakout speaker talk about, do you have a time for God? Do you have a time for God's prayer? Did you know God has a prayer request? I never knew this. And and so watch this. (laughs) It's found in the book of John chapter 17. Now what's funny is like, this is my chapter. Like I love John 17. It's where he's praying for the believers. Like he's praying for you and me. That's why I never trip off people if they say like, well, pastor, if you don't do what I want you to do, then I'm going to stop praying for you. Okay. Jesus is praying for me, baby. And he ever lived to make intercession for me. And God answers all his prayer requests. Hey. I don't let people move me. I, I ain't moved. I'm like, Jesus is praying for me. Plus, his prayers are better, okay? So watch this. In the midst of this, look at what Jesus says. I am praying not only for these disciples. You call yourself a believer? Jesus is praying for you today. Before you woke up, he was already asking the Father to bless you on his behalf. Before you put your head to sleep, he said, Father, will you give them breath in the morning so they can come worship me? Will you give them an opportunity and a way to get to church? He was praying for us, man. That's why I get so excited. By the way, if you're wondering if I'm always like this, the answer is yes. And so you got to see this. I'm, I'm excited about because God done saved my soul. And then he says right here, ooh, this part got to get you. Look at the word, but but also for all who will ever believe in me. It's his prayer request. I got a confession as a pastor. When I go to the gym, I put my hood on and I put my headphones in. And you know what that means? Don't bother me. Don't bother me. I ain't here to make friends. I'm here to hashtag Swole Patrol, okay. I got two daughters, 18 and 16. I ain't big enough yet, all right. Shoo. Shoo. No, they ain't dating and no they ain't available yet. Okay. I will break you or my wife will shoot you. One or the other's gonna happen, all right? <laughs> and so the other day I was at the gym and 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 this came back up. This came back up. Will you answer my prayer? I just wonder if we started to make God's prayer request our priority, what he would do with the church. Like, like, can I put it to you this way, mom and dad, real quick, can I put it to you this way? Don't you really love those who love your kids? Think, think about that. Don't you really love those who love your kids? Like, like, like I'm not going to rat anybody out, but you know who you are. You know, your kid comes home, and your teacher's got like a nasty letter for him. Don't you email that teacher back? Right? Of course, it's not your child. It's that teacher. She don't know how to teach. Don't know how she got her degree anyway. Hello? <laughs> Like, excuse me, you're always on your phone, Miss Thang, okay? It's not my child. <laughs> yeah, I've been the recipient. My mama loves me. <laughs> yeah, I've been the recipient, boy. And I was hell on wheels. So she, she missed that part. <laughs> Here's my point. You love those who love your kids. I just wonder what God would do for a church whose mission is to answer his prayer. I just wonder. So I got my headphones on, I got my, I got my hood over, and God is telling me to share faith with this young kid. And this is crazy because what we don't realize, and especially me, is God's already working on that person. So I do the, I do the, Lord, if you want me to talk to him, then make, you know, give me this sign, right? How many do that? You know what I mean? And because you're so full of faith, God, I answer that. And so then you go, God, if you, that's really you, give me this other sign. And then God, I answer that. <laughs> real? Is that real? So I go up to this kid, his name's Chris, and I knew him from the gym, from a different gym. And he goes, Yo, Anthony! And don't you feel bad because they know your name and you don't remember theirs? Come on, wave at me. You feel bad. And I'm like, Yo, dude, what's up? <laughs> and so I begin to share faith, and I'm like, Man, I want to invite you to church. And he goes, Do you know I've been looking for a church? Of course you have. Because God won't leave me alone, okay? Headphones on, hood over, God won't leave me alone. Of course you're looking for a church. So I hand him our card, and and he goes, where's this at? I go, man, we're right over here. He goes, dude, I live right around the corner. Of course you do. Because God knows everything. Yeah, Big hero of faith over here. God has already been working on the person you're supposed to share faith with. He's just wanted to see if you'll answer his prayer request. So here's my close. April 12th, 1912. A ship takes off. Who the engineer said, not even God himself could sink this ship. It's so mighty. The Titanic. It hits an iceberg early in the morning hours, right? Early in the morning hours, it it hits an iceberg, and the guys on the top shoot off two flares. And and what they didn't realize was four miles away, four miles away, there was a boat called the Samson. It was an illegal whaling boat that saw the flares but was so scared that that they were gonna be arrested because they were doing illegal things. They rolled up the anchors and they set sails as fast as they could in the other direction, leaving these people to die. 11 miles away, there was a ship called the Californian, and the two guys noticed the flares. They, they were arguing about what color the flare was. They went down into the, into the bow of the boat where the captain was sleeping, and they woke up the captain and said, listen, we've seen two flares, and we think there's a ship in distress. We think people need our help. He said, shut up. I'm tired. We've been working all day. Turn the lights off and turn the radio off. We'll check on it in the morning. Forty miles away, there was Carpathian, and the boat saw the flares. It pulled up the anchors and it set sails as fast as it could to go help to go help the people who needed a, a rescue. To go help these people who were going to drown. Two thousand two hundred twenty-seven people were on a boat that only had enough life vests, rafts, and boats for seven hundred and fifty. So the Carpathian comes as fast as it cans. Why? Because it saw the flares of people who were in distress. It saw the signs of people who needed help. I just wonder what God would do for the church who sees the signs and the flares and the distress of people who are saying, I need help because I'm overwhelmed with my addiction. I need help because I'm overwhelmed with my anxiety. I need help because my marriage is broken. I need help because I'm lost and confused. I just wonder if we would be the church that says, God, I will do it. Listen here, Fountain Church. You will You'll never know why people give sacrificially. You'll never know why people join the dream team. You'll never know why people give all these hours and Pastor Matt and Jackie pray so hard. You'll never know why until you bring a person who is in need of resurrection, until you bring a marriage that's in need of hope, until you bring a person and put them in an empty chair, you will never know what drives us. You'll never know what fuels us, why? Because this is my passion. To make his name great is my life goal. To make sure somebody knows that there's a God who cares and there's a devil who I want to just kick the crap out of. You will never know that until you bring somebody who's far so we can help draw them near to God. That's why we do what we do. That's why I give so effortlessly. Now, here's the clue. Because I got my own family. They're lost. They don't go to church I made God a promise. God, I'll go after other people's family members if you'll send somebody to go after mine.